Tyler? Yeah, Sam? Why aren't you wearing any pants? <laughs> what are you talking about? I'm wearing pants. Tyler, I'm looking at you right now and you literally only have a blanket on your lap. Sam, pants are an illusion and so is death. That doesn't even make any sense. It might not make sense to you right now, but if- No, 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 no. I'm cutting you off. I'm winning this argument. I'm Sam Albus. And I'm Tyler Stramberg. And you're listening to the Avatar Podcast. Yep, yep. On this podcast, we watch the Nickelodeon show Avatar The Last Hairbender and analyze the plot, themes, and characters. At the end of each episode, we'll talk about who our favorite character was, as well as give the episode a rating on a scale of 1 to 10. You're listening to The Avatar Podcast. Yep, yep. I just want to make it very clear for the audience listening, I am wearing pants. And I was wearing pants during the intro. Honey, where are my pants? What's that from? The I, Lego movie. Oh, okay. That's actually a pretty good movie. I haven't seen it before. It, it's got a really good script. Anyway, this is an Avatar podcast, yes, not some so generic film podcast. Shut up. <laughs> I like film podcasts. Me too, but there's 5,000 of them. Okay, anyway, let's dive into this episode. Yes, shall we? And today we are going to be talking about the fourth episode of book two, and it is titled The Schwamp. The, the what? The swamp. <laughs> Can you say it normally? The swamp. Okay, thank it's you. It's just funnier to say, more fun to say swamp. While flying, Aang finds himself strangely attracted to a mysterious, sexy swamp. He and his friends. <laughs> I'm sorry. Jesus Christ, that's not what that says. I shouldn't have said that. I just couldn't resist. Tyler, myself. that's not what that says. But like finding himself attracted to a mysterious swamp. I'm sorry. I had to throw that. I mean, in he's there. attracted, but I thought you said sexy swamp. I did. Okay. I said he's yeah. Attracted to a mysterious he is attra- sexy swamp. He is attracted to it, but not in that way. Okay. I'm sorry. I'll start over. While flying, Aang finds himself strangely attracted to a mysterious swamp. See, I just had to throw sexy in there. Like, it just made sense. He and his friends end up crash landing into the swamp, and in the process, get separated from one another. They begin to see unique illusions in the swamp. Sokka sees Princess Yue, Katara sees her dead mother, and Aang sees a mysterious, giggling girl. (laughs) Do you see what I mean? It's like, oh, I didn't write this. I just copied and pasted it. But now that I'm reading it out loud, it's full of sexual innuendos. Uh, um, and they're children, so this please is weird. Just, please just yes, keep okay. going. They are reunited and attacked by a swamp monster who turns out to be a wise old man from a tribe of swamp waterbenders. He explains the nature of the swamp and their visions, including that the girl is someone Aang will meet. Meanwhile... Zuko and Iroh are forced to live life as commoners, disguised. Zuko resorts to using his blue spirit guise to help himself. I think I know what I want to be for Halloween this year. Don't tell me you want to be the blue spirit. Maybe. If you're the blue spirit, I'm going to be... I can't tell you right now because it's spoilers. <laughs> oh, yeah. okay. I get it. Um, and actually, that was the joke because there is no Halloween this year because it's canceled. Oh, yeah. Halloween is canceled, Good y'all. point. We will not have it. I will Only not be going. if you're in the U.S. Halloween's can't. Oh, yeah. Everywhere else, all you other countries that took this Our seriously. Actually highest number of listeners is from Germany. Hey, all you Germans. Hello, wie geht's? Um, all of you Germans, uh, th- thank, you know, th- just say a thank you that you have a government that How do you took say it seriously. Thank you in German, isn't it? Danke. Danke schön. Yeah. 
Did you read when the episode premiered? And no, I'll read that right now. Okay, though cool, 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 the cool. episode premiered on Nickelodeon, like it always does, on April fourteenth, two thousand six, and was written by Tim Hendrick. Like they all are. No, not all of them are written by Tim Hendrick. I'm sorry, I just wanted to make the joke because you said Nickelodeon, like it always does. Anyway, let's move on to plot and themes and stuff. Yeah. And Sam, what is the and stuff for? The and stuff is for plot or things to know. Yes. <laughs> for things to know. Yes, there we go. And I will cover the first one. Um, the Swamp Benders, Do and Tho, are based off n- other Nickelodeon show creators. Doug Tenaple. Um, who created Cat Scratch, and Carlos Ramos from The X's. I don't know The X's. Neither do I. But, you know, it was an inside joke between the animators that they would, or between the creators that they would, like, put them into their show. Um, one of them actually put Brian Kognetsko into their show. Wow. Um, similarly, the Swamp Bender's pet alligator, Slim, is named after one of the creator's two dogs. Oh, which one? I which don't know. dog? can't. The dog that's named Slim. Probably the skinny one. Oh, my God. <laughs> Sam, Probably the slim one. Sam, let's move on. Okay. The swamp uh, bears resemblance to the toxic jungle from Nausicaa and the Valley of the Wind, which is a Studio Ghibli film. And, yeah. Tyler, we keep making references to Ghibli films. It's almost as if we really like Ghibli films. Well, I'm not sure if we really like Ghibli films and we just noticed these resemblances or if the animator or the creators were like inspired by some Ghibli things and like and decided to include it. They probably were because everybody I know that really, really enjoys animation, which are the creators of the show, mm-hmm. um, love Ghibli films. Who can so, never be sure? Um, I, I'm willing to bet they just really like Ghibli. Um, yeah, so, but the specific film we always draw comparisons to is Princess Mononoke because that is the, one of the best Ghibli films. Mm-hmm. It is the best Miyazaki my film, in my opinion. My therapist actually just told me in our session the other day that she just watched Princess Mononoke Oh for my the god, first did time. she love it? Yeah, she did. Yeah, we love referencing P- Princess Mononoke because it has a lot of great, um, themes in it. Environmentalist themes, um, yeah, but Nazca of the Valley of the Wind also has a lot of environmentalist themes, but that one is much more, it's much more upfront about the fantasy aspect of it, yes. whereas Princess Mononoke has fantasy elements, but it's a lot more grounded. I think it, yes, Princess Mononoke does have more, like, fantasy quote-unquote elements, but those fantasy elements are based out of Shintoism, which yeah. is the Japanese religion, so mm-hmm. it feels more realistic as yes. a whole. Whereas Nausicaa, it's straight up just fantasy. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, moving on, last point for things to know. The song It's a Long Way to Bossing Say that Iroh sings sounds similar to a World War One song that is called It's a Long Way to Tipperay. Um, our first theme and only theme for this episode is spirituality. Yeah, guys. Uh this uh I really hate that I said guys. <laughs> yeah, dudes. Yeah, uh, guys. <laughs> it, I use dudes in a gender neutral term. It makes me feel like I'm some like dime a dozen YouTuber because like YouTubers always say guys. Hey guys, welcome back to another video. I was watching this one YouTuber. She goes like, "Hey guys, what's up? Make sure you like, subscribe, hit the bell, potato." Oh. I don't dislike the content. I really hate how that's how she starts her videos. Oh, well, though. that's valid. And that is too much for me. Okay, let's uh, let's dive into yes, the, the, the topic now. Yes. Uh, the theme is spirituality. Tyler already said that. Um, there are two facets to this that we are going to talk about, or two main 
things. Branches, subsections. Branches that interconnect. Oh my God, branches like the tree from the swamp. Oh my God, it all circles back. It's all one tree. (laughs) Oh my God. Oh my God. Okay, Shintoism. Shintoism is the first thing we're going to talk about. Um, And yeah, um, we are going to listen to a quote, um, but we're going to break this quote into multiple parts. And yeah, let's listen to the first part. Oh, the swamp is a mystical place, all right. It's sacred. So Shintoism focuses a lot on nature, especially the purity and the sacredness of it. Yeah, nature really plays like a heavy role in the whole like Shinto religion. Um, it really places an emphasis on how nature itself is like a form of God or a higher power. So um, it makes sense that Hugh is like called to the swamp and he's um, calling it a sacred place, which kind of leads us to this next subsection. Um, Shintoism was like kind of brief. We really just wanted to put that emphasis on like Shintoism puts a lot of its um, focus like in nature. And that's a huge theme that we could like dive into a bit more, but we're not going to do that right now because we've talked about environmentalism and Shinto in this podcast before. We've talked about Shintoism Yes, so we are going to move on to the next one, which is Buddhism. Um, but before we dive in, I want to say a special thank you to uh, Catherine McCord. She is a friend of mine. She is Buddhist. Um, and she read over the script and helped make edits to it to make sure that we weren't saying anything that wasn't correct or like um, misleading about Buddhism. So huge thank you to her. And her um, Instagram will be in the credits. She has been Buddhist for probably as long as I've known her. Wow. Yes, thank you, Catherine. Yes. Um, We're now going to listen to this next part of the quote. We're just going to continue on. I reached enlightenment right here under the Banyan Grove tree. I heard it calling me, just like you did. Yeah, so Hugh gaining enlightenment under the Banyan tree uh, is based off the story of the commonly known first Buddha's enlightenment. Yeah, um, the first Buddha was known as Shakyamuni. Hope I'm pronouncing that right. Um, also referred to as Siddhartha or Gotama. Um, yeah, he has three names. Um, in the textbook I was reading, um, Shakyamuni was the one commonly used. Um, Sam, you learned it as Siddhartha. Yeah. Yep. Um, but then Catherine told us the most common one is Gotama. So that's one we're going to use because she's the Buddhist. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she's the Buddhist. The she's, one and only. No, the one I talked to about this episode. You know what I mean? Gotama gained enlightenment by sitting under a tree and meditating on his experiences in life. So that's how that relates to Hugh. Um, we're going to dive into the next part of this quote that's like four years long. See, this whole swamp is actually just one tree spread out over miles. Branches spread, then sink and take root, and then spread some more. One big living organism, just like the entire world. I get how the tree is one big thing, but the whole world? Sure. You think you're any different from me, or your friends, or this tree? If you listen hard enough, you can hear every living thing breathing together. You can feel everything growing. We are all living together, even if most folks don't act like it. We all have the same roots, and we are all branches of the same tree. So Buddhism specifically focuses on a lot on helping others and how we should see each other 
all as equals. This quote puts some, well, a lot of emphasis on that. So this quote reinforces the Buddhist belief that we shouldn't see each other for our differences, but for our similarities, and we should treat each other, um, you know, as equals. It's, um, it's like saying that people have similar problems and that we should be more understanding of each other. Yeah. Um, this quote is also more directly talking about the Buddhist philosophy of the interconnectedness of life and that nothing exists completely independently and everything has this inherent force of life that we all share. Hey, Tyler. Hey, what? I agree. Okay. I agree with that assessment. In the last, like, two years or so, I've done research on just, like, faiths that are not... Not Judeo-Christian. Like, yes, yes. Um, I don't know. It, it's just a statement that rings true to me that, like, I read it. I'm like, yeah, I can I can see that. Like, yeah. I, and I find that I'm more happier when I feel like I'm connected to the world. And, you know, going outside and walking through nature and you feel connected and you feel relaxed and at peace because you're connected with everything that's connected to you. Yeah, I don't know. Really cool. Do you do you find that you connect with that statement at all? Um, I think I connect more with Shintoism. I mm. remember learning about Shintoism and thinking it was like really inspiring and really cool that that's a way of life. Yeah. Um, I especially very much believe that nature is very sacred. I love. Um, yeah, it makes me very sad like seeing nature get ripped apart and ruined for more development and stuff like that. Which mm-hmm. is why I firmly believe in tearing down structures that already exist. Um, and need to be updated anyway and replacing them with new ones instead of expanding a city, redesign a city to make it smarter. I haven't looked that much into Buddhism, so I don't really know. Uh, do you want to dive into characters? Uh, not yet, because we got to take a break first. Oh, I forgot. Oh, no. Sam. Yeah? I want to talk about characters. Okay, this is the time for that now. Cool, why don't you talk to me about the characters listed in the script below. Yes, I will read off the script now. Okay. Let's start with the first one written on the script. Sokka. Um, yeah, so Sokka is uh, the typical Sokka, and he's very practical, and he's very logically minded, and uh, is basically a, like the quote-unquote voice of reason the entire episode. Yeah, he doesn't really... Um... He doesn't really like to believe in the whole, like, spiritual stuff. He is more, like, down-to-earth, which I guess that's kind of surprising to me considering that he's literally been in the spirit world before. Yeah, he got kidnapped by a spirit. Yeah, I just, I don't, I don't know. I don't get it. I mean, it makes sense to his character, but at the same time, it's like, "Mm, eh, you know what I mean? Yeah, Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Okay, anyway, that's neither here nor there. Yeah, at least not right now. (laughs) (laughs) At least not right now. (laughs) At least not right now. It doesn't mean we aren't going to get into it later. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so uh, Sokka, uh, he sees Yue in the swamp. That is the illusion that he sees, or is it? Um, Or is it, or or does he really see her? He does say, it's just a trick of the light. Swamp gas is getting to his head. Yeah, who knows? Um, But yeah, he sees Yue in the swamp, and it's very clear that Yue still means a lot to him. Uh, and he literally says that he thinks about her all the time. Yeah. Which is uh, um, understandable, considering uh, she turned into the moon right in front of him. Yes. Basically yeah. died for a hot sec. 
she, I mean, she did die. She no longer exists on this earth. Well, her spirit so. carries on. Yeah, I know, but like, it's not like he can talk to her. Death is an wants. illusion. Okay, oh my God, shut up. <laughs> I'm gonna move on. Okay. Um, the next character is Katara. Um, we obviously know her mother dying was really hard on her. We've seen this before. She places a lot of importance on her mother's necklace. Um, but like. I guess now we get a little bit of a more clear vision of how much it means to her. We've seen her, like, be sad and talk about it before. But, like, we see how excited she is, like, to run to her mother and see her mother. And then, like, how she breaks down and cries when she realizes it's not her. Like, we get a—this is probably the first time we get a glimpse of how much her mother's death really, really affected her. And really is painful to her. Yeah, like, just seeing her— face light up when she thinks it's her mom and just how devastated she is. Yeah. Jeez. Pretty sad. It, it's uh, it's very sad. Um yeah, it, it's just a it's it was a very quick scene, but it tells us a lot about because obviously they mention it at the beginning that, mm. you know, their mother died, but it's not it hasn't been totally fully explored just how much that's taking a toll on her. Like mm-hmm. obviously we see it before like in the prisoner you know, we yeah. see her talk about her mom, um, but we don't see it to this extent, just how much emotional toll it has. Yeah, I think so far this show has done a really great job at showing, like, the events and the causes and the effects of Sokka and Katara's, like, mother's death on both of them. I mm-hmm. think it this show has done a really great job at, like, laying that out so far and... I mean, we still don't even know the full story yet, you know? We I mean, we just learned something new here in this episode about their about her death. So, mm-hmm. it's it's really interesting. I really like how the show how this show deals with it. Um, yeah, and similarly like Sokka sees Yue because of how much he misses her. We know now, we can assume like how much Katara misses her mother, and how yep. much she still thinks about her. We don't know how long ago their mom died, but we can assume it was more than two years ago because that's when their father left, which left them to take care of the tribe, right? Like they said in the very first episode. So it's got to be at least a few years ago, but clearly it still weighs on Katara. She's still thinking about her a lot. Yeah. Let's uh, move on to Aang at this point. So Aang says at the top of the episode that the swamp was calling out to him just like Hugh said that the swamp called out to him, and he found enlightenment there. Yeah, um, I mean, the Air Nomads are heavily based off Tibetan monks who practice Buddhism. Um, I mean, the most famous one is probably the Dalai Lama. The creators tried to heavily base the Air Nomads off of, like, this culture. Yeah, exactly, and that could be why Aang heard the swamp calling out to him because he already lives a very Buddhist lifestyle. So he is a very spiritual person. Oh so he's God, automatically more connected. Sense. It does uh, make sense. That's why we mentioned it in the script. No way. Let's move on. We're going to shift gears here a little bit um, into another character, Zuko. Um, we see so little of him in Iroh this episode. Mm-hmm. I think it's kind of funny. Um, strange. Strange is probably more accurate. It's a little bit strange that we... Zuko and Iroh start the episode and then they end the episode and we don't see any of them in between like at mm. all you know I yeah, mean that's a good point yeah it's I'm not sure how to feel about it but we see that he's humiliated about living in poverty um and this is very clear when the man asks Iroh to sing and dance and then he starts like swinging his swords at Iroh's feet and although he is royalty and he sees this event as him and his uncle deserving better treatment, 
it brings up a very good point about homeless people are generally treated. Um, they are more often than not treated as less than human, uh, and they are very easy to humiliate. Yeah. I mean, no we good. just see that as, you know, society treating them as less than human, that whenever you go into a city, you see those, like, spikes on any, like, thing you I can lay that. on. I hate that they so much. They purposely build structures so that, you know, people can't raise tents under structures or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's really fucked up, really. Yeah. It, I mean, it really is. I mean, we can dive into the whole, like, complexity of homelessness in maybe, like, a bonus episode. Yeah. But it is very sad how the government and people treats homeless people. Yeah, exactly. It's also very sad how this, like, random dude just thinks, oh, these guys are homeless and need money. I can do whatever I want to them. Yep. I can literally assault them. Yep. Or at least assault Iroh. Yep. Um, yeah, that, what a swell guy. Yeah, kind of really shitty. Um, yeah, of course, at the end of the episode, we see that Zuko starts to don his, um, blue spirit persona again, and I mean, Zuko has his reasons for doing this, right? And Zuko feels that his reasons for doing this are justified. As an audience, we know that what he's doing isn't right, even though there's some validity to what he is doing. He's showing the man that humiliated him that it's wrong to treat others that way. Um, But Zuko is really only doing it because he just has a giant ego because he's royalty. Um, He's just like, you can't treat me that way because I'm royal, not... You can't treat me that way because I'm a human being and I don't deserve to be treated that way. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. It's it's complex, but I think that's what makes part of this really interesting. Yeah, it, even so. though we don't see a lot of them, it's still enough that we, I'm pretty sure Zuko's character is the biggest section in here. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and he was on screen for like Two 45 seconds. seconds. Yeah. <laughs> All right, that's it for characters. Well, speaking of Zuko, Sam, was he your favorite character? I guess you'll just have to find out when we do the verdicts and characters. Oh my god, I'm so excited. <laughs> okay, we have reached the point in the episode where we give our verdicts and our favorite characters. Yes. And Tyler, you were going to give your favorite character first. Was I? Y- yeah. Oh, Okay. Um, my favorite character is Momo. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's valid, I yeah. guess. That's valid. Why did you pick Momo? Um, he's just, like, fun. I like how Momo acts in this episode. Um, more importantly, I don't really think anyone stands out to me in this episode. I think you're right. I mean, Sokka's annoying, and there's nothing really special to Aang or Katara. They're kind of both just, like, there doing their own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And um, Momo's at least memorable. Like, at least he was fun. Um, I remember true. him throwing things at the Swamp Benders and, like, getting caught in the bag. That was funny. And blowing Appa's whistle. Yeah, to annoy Appa. Yes. A, a very valid choice. Thank you. That was my favorite character. Sweet. Sam, who was your favorite character? Uh, you fucking spoiled it before the break. My favorite character is Zuko. Oh, damn it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean to. <laughs> I mean, like you said, uh, not everybody really stands... I mean, Sokka stands out because he's annoying in this yeah. episode. Um, like, you guys get it by now. We don't like to give away verdicts uh, at the top of the episode. Um, Sokka is supremely annoying this yeah. episode. He... 
is contrarian to everything and is borderline just like backtracking on his character. Like, I mean, it's very in character for him to be contrarian, right? For him to right. be contrarian, but to be the voice of reason, be like, no, 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 that's not happening. This is happening. Yeah, but more like, grounded in reality and less like, ooh, but it's like, like something's going on. The avatar, the most spiritually connected person in your group is saying there's something going on with this swamp, okay? And you refuse to believe it. And even Katara's like, I think you should probably listen to Aang. And he's like, no, it, there's nothing spiritual going on here just because I said so. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, oh my God, it's frustrating. And he's not even that funny throughout the episode. No, he's only funny at the end. Like yeah. at the end, finally, it gets funny. Like, I'm eating a giant bug. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Um, But otherwise, he's very annoying. But anyway, yeah, Zuko's my favorite character. I just like his turmoil that he's going through. I was going to pick Zuko, but I was kind of like, I feel like he doesn't get enough screen time for me to justify. I should have picked Appa I mean, that's why I picked Momo. I was like, I don't feel like Zuko gets enough screen time for me to justify being my favorite. It's not really what he does in the episode that makes him interesting. It's more like what's not happening, you know? Yeah, I I guess. I couldn't really justify that. I I feel like Zuko is interesting enough, though. Yeah. Um, But... Like I said, not everybody, there are not a lot of interesting characters in this. Or maybe I should have picked the uh, the one I was so close to dude. picking one of the Swamp Benders. Yeah. Can I retcon? No. <laughs> no, you cannot. Can I retcon my favorite character? No. <laughs> you no, have to I'm wait until the end with, of the season to do that. I'm still going with Zuko for now. He was on screen for 45 seconds and is still the most compelling character in the yeah, episode. Honestly. All right, it's verdict time, Tyler. Okay? Okay. What did you give the episode? I gave this episode a three. Whoa! (laughs) That's way lower than I thought you were going to go. Sam, I hate this episode. What the hell? It's so bad. Okay, it's, you it's need to unpack that. Really bad. I... Oh, I have points. I have a whole ass outline of things to go over, Sam. So literally the only redeemable part of this episode is it's Bunto, Bunto, Buddhist and Shinto. There we go. Buddhist and Shinto relations at the very end of the episode. But even then, it's such a short section of the episode that it can't make up for it can't. It doesn't make up for it too much. I was going to give this episode a two, but then like that one small part was like, okay, fine, I'll give it a three. Um, yeah, this I I don't like this episode. It really has no clue what it's trying to be. Is it trying to be a horror episode? Is it trying to be a spiritual episode? Is it trying to do something deep? Is it trying to scare us? I don't know. I have no, and I don't think that the writer or the creator knows either. Like it's just kind of like there, sort of as something to like make us think a little bit. But I don't even think it knows what it's trying to make the audience mm. think about. Um, I was really annoyed with the fight between like you know Ang and Katara and Sokka and. Um, Hugh as the vine swamp monster. Um, I think it's like really cool, especially like Katara's water bending is really cool, but it goes on for way too long. It is like, a very long fight. I mean, like I was talking to you about this. There's two points, two separate points where Aang attacks the swamp monster, the vine monster, and it plays like heroic save the day music. This is the end of the battle. Two separate points where it does that. Uh-huh. And that's just like, okay, pick one. Pick one and end it there. Like, <laughs> pick the first one and end it there. Like, we're good after that. Uh-huh. And then after the fight, like, they're like, what's going on? And then he was just like, oh, you're the Avatar. 
follow me. And suddenly they're like, yeah, we can trust this guy. He's our friend. He is our ally. We we believe him. He uh-huh. is someone that has gained our trust. And like you were just fighting with him for like way too long of a scene. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't justify the entire fight that was happening. Yes, the vine bending in swamp is stuff is really cool, but like it makes it doesn't make any sense. And it doesn't make me feel justified. Like this like the fight was justified as a viewer. It doesn't make me feel like a sense of relief. It kind of just like leaves me hanging and then expects me to just like go with it. And I don't like that. Mm. When they go to talk to Hugh, I, I'm sorry, you were talking about this a little bit earlier and I was trying my hardest to like not give things away because I really, really hate the whole like, we're all like the same thing. We're all connected because that gives me strong strong vibes of like we are all one race the human race i don't see color i think all lives matter i don't care if you're white black purple or polka dot you know what i mean it just Mm. screams like very very ignorant energy to me i know that's not what it's trying to get across but like to me that's how it comes across do you understand what i mean yeah i understand that yeah i just I don't like it. And then I'm almost done. This is my last point. And then at the end of the episode, it doesn't clarify anything that happened to them besides Hugh, like, bending the vines as a swamp monster. It doesn't, like, say anything else. Like, was Hugh the one who bent the vines that, like, wrapped around them and, like, captured them all and split them apart? If it was, what was the point of doing that? Why was he trying to separate them? What was he trying to do? What was he going to do with them? And then, like, what happened to the tornado? Where did that come from? That is literally never explained. It's brought up in the episode. Like, where did that come from? And then it's just dry. Again, leaving the viewer with no sense of resolution. And then at the very end, like, the bird screams and the vine, like, from the swamp does move and swacks the bird away. So it's like, okay, like, we get that everything's alive and the swamp is magical or whatever. But, like, was it Hugh or was it the swamp? What's the point behind this? Is this a horror episode? Is it a spiritual episode? How am I supposed to feel as a viewer? And at the end, the the writer creators are kind of just like, we don't know. Are you done? Yeah. <laughs> that you literally just ranted for like five minutes. <laughs> I'm justified. Okay. Well, I disagree. <laughs> well, no, you are justified in feeling that way, but I don't think the episode was that bad. I think it was that bad. I don't <laughs> think it was bad. Sam, okay, if you don't think it's that bad, what did you rate this episode? I rated it a six. Ugh. Gave it a six. Because it to me, it really wasn't that bad. It was entertaining enough. Like, I was actually kind of interested. I liked the atmosphere of the episode and the kind of the creepy vibe. It, it's, it's like a pretty big tonal shift from other episodes. Um, so I, like, enjoyed it. But, like, I, I'm giving it a six just because, I mean, like you, like you were touching upon, like, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Like, it feels really just, like, put together like piece together or whatever like but a 6 is a positive rating so do you have a positive opinion on this episode the the themes of the episode the whole thing about the spirituality the buddhist themes of the episode i think are a strong point of but the that's episode that's such a small part of the episode it's only like 2 minutes of the whole thing but i mean i'm also just stating that i found the atmosphere of the episode to be enjoyable too okay okay so like okay yeah i can get behind that yeah so the whole overall vibe of the episode I could get into. And also the whole thing with like 
Appa and Momo being separated and stuff. I found that to be compelling. I liked the uh, the swamp people, for lack of a better word. Um, I thought they were funny. I agree. Um, and like, I liked the end of the episode when things were like winding down or whatever, and that was a good part. So there are good parts to the episode, and like the fight is interesting enough. I agree, it goes on for way too long. Um, but I guess I mean we watched it twice, and I was never like this is really bad. But at points, I was just like, "Oof, Sokka's really annoying." Um, See, I initially but, gave the episode a four after the first watch. Then after the second watch, I was like, "Yeah, no, this is worse. It's a two. And then after I like thought about the themes a little bit more, I was kind of like, oh, "Okay, it redeems it a little bit, but not that much," which is why I gave it a three. Yeah, so it's a six for me. All it's right. not bad, um, but I don't really want to watch it again. I agree. Okay, we did. I, it. I agree on not wanting to watch it again. Yeah, 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 we get it. Okay. We get it. That's all we have for this episode. A special thank you to Catherine McCord for her help with Buddhism on this episode. You can find her on Instagram at silver underscore moon underscore art. A huge thank you goes out to our producer and audio engineer, Aaron Bogan, along with their production company, Sonavent Productions, and Annie Galloway, who made our cover art and is our graphic designer. Make sure you join us next week. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It helps more people find us. Don't forget to tell a friend about the show or share the show if you like it. Please feel free to reach out to us. Our email is airbenderpod at gmail.com or you can follow us on Twitter or Instagram both at airbenderpod. That's A-I-R Bender P-O-D. Check out our Patreon. Starting at $1 a month, you can get early access to episode as well as behind the scenes content and bonus episodes. You can find us there by searching the Avatar Podcast Yip Yip or by using the link in the description of this episode. I'm Sam Albus, the co-host and co-writer of this show. You can follow me on Twitter at Sam underscore Albus or on Instagram at Sam Albus. My last name is spelled A-L-B-U-S. I'm Tyler Strandberg, the host, creator, and head writer of this show. You can follow me on Twitter or Instagram, both at TylerJohn7. That's T-Y-L-E-R-J-O-N and the number seven. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye.